Hey, it's Melissa Moore, and welcome to Mile High Magazine on this Sunday morning. Happy to have you here with us talking this week with Kevin Peterson. He's a licensed marriage and family therapist with the Chronic Hope Institute. Good morning, Kevin. Hey, good morning, Melissa. Thanks for having me on this morning. Well, thank you for being here. So what is the Chronic Hope Institute? Well, the Chronic Hope Institute is actually something I created a couple of years ago to help families uh, that are struggling with addiction and codependency and also to educate other people in the uh, mental health industry on how to work with those families that are struggling with uh, addiction and codependency. Okay. And how common is that struggle with addiction and codependency here in our state? Oh, I would tell you, I don't think I've ever met a family that doesn't have some uh, at least tangential access to it. You know, if it's not directly in your family, there's someone in your family or you know someone or you have a friend or a coworker. As soon as people find out who I am and what I do, they're like, oh, you know, I have a friend or I have Mm -hmm. a brother or I have a situation. Yeah, I get that all the time. I bet you do. So the Chronic Hope Institute, what do you do to help these folks? Well, so we actually have therapists um, that are uh, exceptional at working with these families and working with the individuals. Um, And then we also do the training. We're we're in the process of putting together training for family addiction coaching for other professionals. Our referrals primarily come from other referrals or other therapists or mental health professionals that don't understand addiction and don't understand the the family dynamics of the addiction Mm -hmm. and how it affects the family dynamics. So that's who tends to send stuff to us. So we just took it upon ourselves to say, you know what? We should start actually training people and helping them understand this as well as helping the public. Right, because it is a big issue. I think for so many of us, I mean, every family I know is dealing with one or the other, if not both. Absolutely. And, you know, in the last two or three years, um, the numbers are really, you know, the fentanyl uh, epidemic has really taken off. And so you're seeing overdose numbers at record highs. The pandemic, when we were all locked in, really created a lot of issues with addiction and alcoholism as well. And and so, I mean, people always ask, what do you do? I'm like, well, I'm a family therapist that works with addiction. And they're like, oh, how's business? I'm like, well, the good news is business is great. Right. And the bad news is business is great. It, absolutely. I was going to yeah. say, I think the pandemic pushed a lot of people to their breaking point. Absolutely. It created this huge traumatic event for all of us, you know, one way or another. It, it really, I think it really pushed people people to the edge of their well-being and emotional well-being. And a lot of people chose self-medication and, and, you know, sort of maladaptive systems to take care of themselves and how to, how to work on this. And the thing is that it, it, you have to understand that it's not just a person that's struggling with addiction that it's affected by. Mm-hmm. You know, the entire family system gets eaten up by this as well. Right. Very true. And so explain, you know, you talked about codependency or you mentioned it. Explain for folks, because I feel like that's a term that gets bounced around a lot. Lot, but a lot of people don't understand exactly what it is. Can you explain codependency? Yeah, absolutely. I get that question all the time. Um, the way I look at it is I, I say codependency is based on the belief that I'm going to work harder on your problems than you are. And and that really is the, the, the base of it right there is that I'm going to spend more time taking care of you than you're taking care of yourself. And also, don't you think it's more time taking care of you than taking care of myself? Oh, yes, definitely. I'm going to sacrifice myself, um, which is kind of the ironic piece because, you know, at the same time, and then it's the, the frustration from the codependent becomes, after all I've done for you, after all the work I've done for you, this is how you treat me. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, you know, that, that's the whole point. You really should be taking care of yourself first and setting good boundaries. Right. That's the best way to help someone that's struggling with addiction is setting boundaries. Oh, I like that. That is very succinct. <laughs> I like that. So I know we're talking today about dreams. How does that tie in? Yeah. 
Well, and you know, it's interesting. Um, one of the common themes that we have with families that are struggling with addiction is the dream or the fear of what's going to happen. And and so, you know, very I'll have families that I work with tell me, I have this, I'll have a reoccurring nightmare that something bad's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll have a reoccurring nightmare that they're, you know, out in the street, lost somewhere and uh, wake up in the middle of the night in the sweats and I won't know what to do. And I, I'm afraid I'm going to react to that. And then the actual person that's struggling with addiction will, if they're trying to get sober or they are sober, will have what we call drunk dreams or using dreams. And they will have these dreams where they're, you know, using or drinking and they'll wake up terrified that that's actually what happened. Mm-hmm. So what, it, what is, how do you break those down? I mean, what is your two cents from those two things? You know, for the, for the family member, for the, the people that are like, concerned about somebody, you know, it's an opportunity for the therapist to sit and talk to them. There's kind of two schools of thought. It's back to the old days of Freud and Jung. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Freud's position was, you know, tell me everything and then I'll interpret it for you and I'll tell you what it means. And Jung's position was, well, tell me what you're thinking. Tell me what your thought process is. Tell me what you're coming from and let's figure it out together. And, and what really matters is what you think, yeah. not what I think. You, that's really the, the piece there. But for these families that are struggling with codependency and struggling with someone with addiction, it allows us an opportunity to show them just how important, like you said earlier, that they're not taking care of themselves. They're so wrapped up in the well-being of somebody else mm-hmm. that they're not taking care of themselves and they can't even get a good night's sleep. Right. Yeah. And what about for the person that is battling addiction and is clean, is sober, and yet dreams of using again? What is that? all about? You know, it's when you're new uh, to sobriety, uh, it can be terrifying. Uh, and a lot of times it's just, it's honestly, we call it muscle memory. It's just something that your body's flashing back to or your mind's flashing back to. And um, it's like, it's like watching a rerun of Law and Order. And you're mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, I've seen this one before, you know, and it really isn't anything more than that. Yeah, um, it can, but it can also be that there's some stress in your life or some anxiety in your life, or potentially there's a, you're going to a wedding this weekend, or you're going to a family event and you're, or you're going to a football game and you're going to, you're afraid of what's going to happen and your mind is kind of manifesting potentially what could happen. So for a therapist, this is kind of great stuff because it gives us something to talk about ahead of time and to create a plan of how to work that through mm. and what to do with it and where to go with it. Right, right. So you said you're training therapist right now here in Colorado. I mean, obviously, it's got to be a different, in some ways, skill set if you're having to train therapists about dealing with addictions. Absolutely. And and again, our primary is really working with the family structure of the codependency surrounding the addiction. And that is just not something we get taught in graduate school. I went to Regis, which, by the way, I think is a phenomenal school, and I love them, and I had a great experience there. However, there was only one class in substance, and, and we didn't really spend a lot of time especially on the family system surrounding the substance abuse and how it affects everybody. Mm-hmm. So what we've created, what we found is that the niche for us is the ability to take our experience with our personal experience and then our professional experience and work that back into training other professionals on how to deal with this. Because like you said earlier, this is, uh, this is something that every family is struggling with on some yeah. level. And what about, I've always been curious about how addiction seems to run in some families. Yeah, you know, so in my family, you know, it definitely does. You know, last last Thursday, May 5th, I celebrated 31 years over, which is, you know, a big deal for me. And it's yeah. a lot of fun. Congratulations. But, That's huge. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. 
Um, my mom died in 2014 from long-term prescription drug use. Um, I have a cousin on my dad's side that passed away. Um, the, the addiction runs on both sides of the family. And it, I, my personal belief is that it's a genetic component that can, you know, exist. So my belief is you don't manufacture addiction. It's something that lives inside you. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, events occur. And, you know, some people have a belief system that trauma or, or mental health causes addiction. I don't believe that because I know a lot of people that have trauma and mental health issues that may choose to self-medicate, but when push comes to shove, they can pull back. Yeah. And they, they, don't, they don't go all in and allow the addiction to run their life. So I believe it's a combo package. I, I think you gotta have to have it. You know, it's kind of like being pregnant, you is or you isn't, yeah. you know? <laughs> and, but, but definitely events in your life, mental health issues, trauma can certainly be catalysts and make it go faster. Well, I think it's interesting what you just said about how some people will self-medicate, but then they can stop. And I was gonna ask you, what is the difference between somebody doing that and addiction? Well, so we call people like that hard drinkers or hard users. That they may look like someone who's an addict, you know, who's lost control over the use of the substance. But at the end of the day, if they're given a sufficient reason, like your partner says, look, knock it off or I'm out of here, you know, or the judge says, knock it off or you're going to jail. Or your boss says, knock it off or you're, you're, you're done. You're like, oh, crap, I got to stop this. And mm-hmm. you stop it. You know, you completely stop and get your life back together as well. The addict or the alcoholic is going to try, but they just can't do it. Mm. That's really the difference. Okay. So then how do they become so? So uh, the most popular I mean, method, actually Stanford University, uh, where I, I was born in Stanford University, <laughs> back in Palo Alto, California, um, did a study in 2020 on what is the most effective methodology mm-hmm. surrounding um, abstinence from alcohol and drugs. And the 12-step world is, is considered to be the most effective use uh, yeah. and methodology. And, and that, I mean that over psychiatry, um, psychology, therapy, faith-based, any of those things. The 12-step world is considered to be the most successful. Now, I would tell you, like I said, 31 years sober and a mental health professional and having come from a family of addiction, I think that um, psychology, psychiatry, and faith-based stuff can all play a positive role in helping people get to that love, get to sobriety. Mm-hmm. I think it's a combo package, but I believe the most effective way is to start looking at the 12-step world. Okay, okay. So for people that are listening right now and they're kind of identifying saying, wow, I think I may have an issue, what would you advise them to do first? First things first, I would say, see if you can stop drinking and stop using for a week. And I mean everything. And I realize marijuana is legal. I'm talking about marijuana as well. Yep. I mean, just stop and see how it goes. And, and you know, the thing is, you may be able to quit using. Make sure you check your emotional temperature as well. Are you irritable? Are you angry? Are you frustrated? Are you sad? Are you depressed? Are you struggling to get through the day with not using substances? Because that's a key component to the problem as well. And if you are, then, you know, try an AA meeting, try, you know, cocaine anonymous meeting, try a narcotics anonymous meeting, um, and then contact a therapist and find someone that uh, does specialize in addiction and see if you can get some help along those lines. And I always say the best place to look is psychology today on their website, because you can punch in your zip code and what you need and, and they'll help you. Yeah, I have had other therapist friends tell me that too, that that is a great website and a great resource. Absolutely. We're listed on there. 
everyone I know that I think is a, a, you know, a great therapist is listed on there. It's just a great clearinghouse for people. And they can put in their insurance plan or whatever it is they want and all the, all the issues that they're trying to address. And they can get all of those things answered through that process and sort of do a quick, you know, narrow, narrow the funnel down so you're not calling 500 people, you're only calling five or six. Right. And I, I think that was my other question. So you decide you want to get some help. Then how long is a reasonable time to get in to see somebody? Well, you know, I would say that I, I mean, I definitely know people that are, uh, have have openings today. That's okay. not a problem. And if you're calling people and they're I'm like, oh, it's going to be six months or three weeks or whatever, just keep going down the list and yep. find someone. You know, there's definitely, or, you know, the other side of it too is I always tell people, hey, my company may not be your solution, but go ahead and call us or send us an email and tell us what you're looking for. We'll help you. We, we feel it's our responsibility to help everybody. Yeah, I like that. Um, one of the other questions I had for you is that link between addiction and codependency because it seems like in a relationship you usually have one of each well so you know it's really funny because I got asked that I was doing I was leading uh, a lecture uh, up in the mountains on online the other last week and someone asked that specific question she said you know well are you saying that every family that has addiction has codependency and I said well you know here's the thing it's like peanut butter and jelly they just go hand in hand you know, <laughs> yeah. they, just, they, they go together and yep. People, the, the struggle that somebody has with addiction, you know, what ends up happening is that the family ends up being impacted and how the family responds to it is really the issue. I always tell people, you're not responsible for your loved one's addiction, but you are responsible for how you react to it and respond to it. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, so I do believe that they, they kind of coexist in the, in, the, in the current space together and you really can't have one without the other. And what about in a marriage though? Oh, they definitely exist in marriages. <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, when you have one person that's struggling with sobriety or let's say somebody goes to treatment for 30, 60 or 90 days and gets sober and comes home, they've changed. They, it's not just I've quit drinking and I've quit doing drugs and magically I'm all better. Their whole lifestyle changes, their whole behavior pattern, how they treat people changes. You know, if you look at the 12 steps, the first half of the first step says we're powerless over alcohol or whatever drug they're talking about. And then the, the rest of the 11 and a half steps don't mention drugs or alcohol at all. Mm. They talk about changing the way you live and the way you treat people. Right, right. And so that, when it comes to marriages, you know, and again, I'm a marriage and family therapist who specializes in the territory. That is an active field because the other person, the, 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 the partner who's at home, when the other person comes home from treatment is like, well, wait a minute. I mean, it's great that you stopped using, but who are you? You're right. a totally different person. Right. And then probably the and other question is, who am I? Well, yeah, that's really the thing. You know, a lot of times the position tends to be, I don't have a problem. They have a problem. Yeah. And and it's like, well, okay, sure. Yeah, they have the identifiable problem. But for, you know, 5, 10, 15, 25 years, you've lived with that problem and you've adapted to that problem. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about that. Yeah. And the truth is, let's talk about where you learned that because it was probably in your childhood as well. Man, good stuff. Kevin Peterson, licensed <laughs> marriage and family therapist, also with the Chronic Hope Institute. Kevin, for, for people that want more information about the Chronic Hope Institute, and talking with you or any of your therapists, uh, where should they go? Our website is chronichope.us and it's, it's right there on there. You can see everybody and pick somebody and talk to them or just send me an email. I'm happy to respond. And by the way, I wrote two, bo- two books on this topic as well. Um, the first one's called Chronic Hope uh, Families and Addiction and the second one's called Chronic Hope Parenting the Addicted Child and they're both available on Amazon and Audible. Kevin Peterson, thank you so much for your time today. Oh, thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Well, thank you for being here again. I'm Melissa Moore. It is Mile High Magazine. Go out, have a blessed Sunday. Be kind to everyone. I'll see you back here next Sunday morning.